This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you download that Odyssey app to get all the episodes first. Brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. And today, brought to you by, it feels like it's been forever, haven't talked to you in a minute, brought to you by Kyle Newbeck, a guy you need to be following during all these Sixers rumors. (laughs) Although, frankly, Kyle, it feels like a lot of these rumors are just a repeat of the same exact thing when it comes to Harden and all that stuff. So uh, what's up, man? How you been? Well, look, Elliot, sources are telling me James Harden could do one thing or he could do another <laughs> thing. That's Dude. that's essentially well, where we're at in terms of the NBA rumor mill. And I'm, I'm not casting aspersions on, you know, the various people who are reporting on either side of, of that thing. But mm-hmm. to me at this point, it's like, he's going to do, he's going to sign with the Sixers or he's not. And there's only so many times we can write about, talk about, podcast about, argue about the same thing that hasn't really fundamentally changed in, I'd say, like a month, two months. Maybe. Well, I know I'm a sucker because, like I said during the NBA Finals, I couldn't wait for it to be over so that the rumors could start. And even though I'll be like scrolling Twitter and I'll see something and deep down I know there is probably nothing new in there. But I click it every time. I read through every time. <laughs> just to see if maybe there is an update on James Harden. So we have a lot to get into today. Uh, Free agency starts on Friday at 6 o'clock, I believe is what you said. Um, Happy they don't do the midnight thing anymore. I remember when I was younger, like, and by that I mean maybe five years ago, waiting up and, like, scrolling at 12 to see what's happening. So shout out to the NBA for moving it. But we have James Harden to get into. We have Tobias to get into. We haven't talked since the draft. So I I actually do have some takes on the guys they signed. Uh, I was on vacation this past week. I woke up Friday morning early and did research for like an hour because this is how I like to spend my free time. So I have I have some opinions on the undrafted guys. And then we probably should do some Dame talk because that is the big name. Uh, That is a name Sixers fans seem to be seem to be focusing on. We haven't talked about the whiteboard, uh, you know, the bit, the big scandal from last week. Um, so where do you want to start? What, what, what moves you right now? Toby, the whiteboard, Harden, like what, what, what is Kyle into right now? All right, let's, let's do the whiteboard. I had honestly almost forgotten about that at this point. Well, it was one of those things just like that getting out there really pissed off a lot of Sixers fans. Like the amount of people who quote tweeted that picture with unserious team and, uh, F this franchise and blah, blah, blah. And like, look, it was a bad look for the team that it got out. It would have been a worse look for the team if some of the other whiteboards that are in that room were what were pictured and not, hey, these are the second round picks we're trying to buy. But I think end of the day, it was like, that's one of those examples. It's very similar to 
how James and Joel are not trusted. And until they prove it in a big moment, they'll just never get the benefit of the doubt. This is a great example of the same phenomenon with the organization. Like until they win and they accomplish something, it's just going to be the, oh, it's the same old Sixers thing, even though it's like, wow, dude, you saw what their roster is and picks they're (laughs) trying to buy. Like you didn't actually learn anything. It just more, it feels sloppy and it feels like it's par for the course for an organization that's had a burner scandal and all these other ridiculous things happen to the team. So it was funny to me as someone who covers the team and who had it come to them on that night. And I was just like, Oh my God, I got to make some phone calls now. (laughs) Just like I'm focused on who they might trade for or trade up with and et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like, I got to get on the phone with somebody and make sure this is actually real is like the most important thing of my night right now. Well, there are always moments in our job where it's like, how silly is this? You know, like, did you're calling to see if a whiteboard that leaked on, I guess, Instagram is maybe where it came out uh, is real. But so my like tin tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is, did they want this out there? Like, no, like there, there's no. nothing on there. There's nothing on there other than their depth chart, right? So that's not big. I think, and also I do think it showed people that they were trying to buy a second round pick. And I know you had reported that and it had been known they were going to try to do it, but it just feels like nothing of value was on there. I see people trying to break down like the lower line. And if you really squint and look at it, you can maybe see some people think PG for Paul George. Uh, you know, trying to read like I, I eventually acquired a high high res image or version of oh, that image. Do? Okay. It does not say PG. It says three agents. Like that's oh. it's just a. And I was told this when I talked to somebody before I got the high res image. But that's just a list of their free agents. There. It's I, look. I I understand it's very hard to tell from the image that was circulated originally, but it's uh, it's very clear. That's not PG. It's not, they're not trading for Paul George that I'm aware of. Right. Well, it's just, it would be funny too, if they, they had him on there. I do have some Paul George thoughts for you, but so let's talk about the actual board itself in a, in a different way. It had James Harden on there in red because he's a free agent. It had Toby on there, if I'm not mistaken, Toby w- was on there. Had so, Tucker was, at, as a, on the bench, by the way, uh, on the well, depth chart. That was interesting. And I don't know if they just put it in a certain order or just like this is how they wrote it, but they did have Harden at the three, if I'm not mistaken, if you read it as Maxi Melton, Harden, uh, Toby, and Embiid. I mean, you don't think they're really going to play Harden at the three, right? That would make no sense. Well, it's it's the three-guard lineup we talked about a lot yeah. last season. Uh, I think it's certainly possible. If you just look at DeAnthony Melton is probably the more important thing there because Harden and Maxi are going to play – regardless they'll be Mm -hmm. in the starting lineup so you're looking at it more from the perspective of is melton a nick nurse guy and is that somebody who might theoretically get elevated because nurse is here now obviously i think pj tucker is certainly a nick nurse guy and that he's just a a hard-nosed defensive type player and that was kind of toronto's identity last few seasons but i don't think it's out of the question that they play that three-guard lineup or at least experiment with it, toy with it early in the season to see if with a new coach with new ideas, they get more out of it than maybe they did under Doc. So this is probably a little off topic from what we thought we were going to discuss, but do you think this means that there's a world where Maxi is kind of the dominant ball handler, like the primary ball handler going up the court and Harden is playing more off ball? 
No, only because I can't see James getting on board with that. Like he very much, we, we praised him at times during the season for, Hey, look, James is embracing being more of a catch and shoot guy. And that was with him taking like one more a game, right? (laughs) which is not a gigantic deal in the grand scheme of things. So I don't think, look, they need to bring Tyrese along as a ball handler. I think it'd be a pretty big stretch to expect James to just turn into like Clay Thompson and he's like a pure off ball guy. I just, that's not really how he's wired. I mean, look, maybe Nick nurse can sell him on that, but we thought doc rivers was able to sell James on his vision. And then it starts coming out late in the season. He wasn't exactly on board with that. He wanted more freedom and and more Mm -hmm. ball dominance and all that stuff. So yeah, I don't really see that happening. Well, it's like we talked about on the prior pod, the idea of James all of a sudden on offense being someone that's running all around, making cuts, moving without the ball feels A, unlikely and B, problematic in that he will, I can just picture him pulling a hamstring or something doing that, or at least (laughs) acting like it so he doesn't have to do it anymore. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't think Maxie will end up being the primary ball handler, but speaking of James Harden. There have been lots of different reports, as we joked. It feels like the same thing every time. But free agency is two days or you know three days away, depending on when you're you're listening to this. Um, he has not opted opted out yet officially. It continues to be the reports that he intends to opt out. Where are you at with every everything with Harden? What are you hearing? Um, you know, we do this every pod, but it feels like this saga just keeps going. There's no resolution yet. He's not officially opted out. What are you hearing, and where are you at with it? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll do some more check-ins before free agency actually starts, but largely what I've heard is the same thing I've been preaching here and at Philly voice over and over again, that I don't think the max offer is out there for him. And so it puts him in a position where he's going to get to choose between, do you want to try to win and stay in Philadelphia? And there'll be different. I think they're flexible if we're talking strictly about what the contract looks like. Like I I think if the Sixers thought the way to bring him back or the way to secure his, his future was to say, we'll bring you in for two years, big payment, big cash value on those two years that they would do it. I think if they can get him on a two plus one with a player option at a lower annual value, I think that's probably their ideal world if I had Mm -hmm. to guess. And I look, I'm not saying that it's definitely going to happen, but I, I feel more confident they could get something like that done than I would have a month ago or right after the season ended where the Houston stuff sounded inevitable. Now what you're hearing out of Houston, and I've reported this as other people have over the last week, two weeks, three weeks, that there there are a lot of other free agents on their mind. They've been connected heavily to Fred Van Fleet. Brooke Lopez is the, a guy they're going to chase hard and potentially offer a bunch of money. Now, I think somebody like Lopez probably is going to fit as a complimentary guy in terms of both role and salary to go along with a James Harden. So signing Brooke Lopez doesn't mean you can't get Harden, but I don't think they're signing Harden and Van Vliet. So I, I think the way that Houston is looking at other players and entertaining these other, I don't know if I'd call them backup plans, but alternative options to Harden, The smoke that we've seen from Houston reporters suggesting that I don't think Houston is going to get to that top dollar value for Harden either. All of that seems to suggest to me that when push comes to shove, James will probably see that Philadelphia is the best marriage of ability to compete, 
dollar value and years on the contract. And he's got the best player that he could possibly play with in Joel Embiid. I think that all adds up to likely Harden return, but I certainly wouldn't guarantee it. So you use the word inevitable. And I think that that's a good, good word because all season, especially with the articles that will come out, the Christmas Day reporting about how he has interest in Houston, it did feel like that's where we were heading. And then all of a sudden it felt like something changed. Now, my question for you would be, do you think James is more likely to come back to, to Philadelphia because A, Houston isn't as interested as we all thought, or B, something changed with his interest in the Sixers, whether that's his meeting with Nick, with Nick Nurse actually, you know, actually impacted his decision. Like, do you think he's coming back to Philly because he's turning away from Houston, or do you think Houston is turning away from him, and now he's realizing the Sixers might be the team out there that not only wants him the most, but is willing to pay him you know, as opposed to Houston not being willing to. I I don't know that it's um, I don't know that it's either really. Like I I do think if Houston can get him, it's just Houston. I think views him in a light that's more. We really like you, and we'd like you to come here. We'd like you to return, but it's not. Hey, we're gonna sell out and do anything possible. Yeah. to try to get him. I, I just, I don't see or feel that. I think there were times in the last six months or so where it did feel that way. But I think the connections they have to these other free agents, actually another name I neglected to throw in there, they have been heavily, heavily linked to Dylan Brooks, who yeah. you know, whatever you think about him, he's going to make a decent amount of money. He'll be on a, I'd say probably the mid-level exception or maybe mm-hmm. a little more than that. So another veteran type free agent that they're after so when you start adding all these names up if they sign a couple of them that dents your cap space and so you're not saying to james harden hey we're paying you every possible dollar that we can because that's not allowing us to go and get these other guys that can help form this new team the the big thing the message out of houston has been they're trying to reestablish the culture and part of the reason they're bringing in Ime Udoka, and part of the reason they want to give him more veteran talent is that so day one, there's more accountability and there's more of a defensive mindset and so on and so forth. And I don't think they're going to say, hey, as much as James Harden is a great talent, great offensive player, he's not like the day-to-day defensive culture guy, right? And so I I I think some of their ideals might conflict with not saying that James is not committed or anything. I think he works very hard. He doesn't become the player he is without working hard. But I just don't think on Houston's end they view him as the end-all, be-all, where our entire offseason is a failure if we don't get that guy. Do you think there's any shot he opts in? I feel like no, but it's a good question. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, we've talked about what the contract might look like. If – we're sitting here saying, as just for argument's sake, that he's going to be on the same dollar value type contract or similar dollar value type contract on a new deal. Then you might want to just roll the dice and say, hey, I'm going to have another great season. I believe more in this head coach than Doc Rivers. He might get more out of me than Doc Rivers did. Then you might be up for a bigger payday. We've certainly seen guys in their mid-30s especially guys that are as talented as James Harden is, 
secure some big paydays. So maybe he is willing to roll the dice. I just, I have not heard that from anybody. I haven't seen that suggested. It's been more along the lines of James wants to get the long-term dollars and the biggest dollar amount that he can. And I think that comes from opting out, but you know, we'll see. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One worry I would have with him opting in. Now, financially, I think for the Sixers, it would be awesome. Like, it's only a one-year deal. You get the player back, all those things. And there's not a worry of his salary going up to $42 million or whatever because he would just opt in at the 36 and a half or 37 whatever it is. One worry I would have with him opting in is, and you brought this up on the last pod, like, how does James feel about that? Like, if James thought he was going to get this massive payday from Houston or Philly or whatever it is, and now he's back on a one-year opt-in, he is somebody that I think has shown he is willing to – I mean, quit is probably strong, but Brooklyn didn't go well. He forced his way out of Houston. You do wonder if he comes back on a one-year deal, potentially not happy if they're not playing hard and ball, he's not the center of the basketball universe or whatever the phrasing was, and he doesn't have his big term, big long-term deal, how he would feel about that. So the Sixers can't stop him from opting in. I think they would prefer probably if they had to pick any solution. I mean, maybe they prefer a two-year deal, but they probably would be happy with his cap number not going up this year. I just wonder of like the what mood James will be in coming back if he's on the opt-in after thinking he was going to get a massive deal. Well, look, the only... I'm, I shouldn't say the only. The person who primarily would be hurt by that approach would be James Harden. Because yeah. if if the thought behind opting in is that I'm going to be on my, I don't want to say best behavior. That sounds very childish. But I'm going to be my best self. Well, it's a contract. I'm show yeah. up. Yeah. Contract year, James. And that so that means on-court approach, off-court approach as a leader in the work, in the weight room, things of that nature. You show up every day. You prove, hey, I'm a guy that wants to win, that cares about the right things. That's your sales pitch to whether it's the Sixers, whether it's the teams that are going to be free agent players next season. That all rests on you showing up and being that way. If you opt into your deal and then next season are going through the motions or you decide you're not going to work out or you're partying too hard – and that becomes visible on the court, there are a lot of teams around the league, including teams that like you as a player, who are going to say, we're not giving you big money in the offseason of 2024, and we're not going to give you a year's commitment either. So I I just don't see a reality. I would worry about that more if in this scenario where he opts out and Houston is a decent option, but it's not a great option because of the money and competitiveness. And if he comes back to Philadelphia because it's just – well, I'll do this for now, but I'm not in love with this. That's the scenario I would worry about, where you yeah. get him on a two plus one, but it's really James is just here because he feels like he has to be here to some mm-hmm. extent. That's where I would be concerned is if he's not fully committed. I've talked about this when we have discussed these various reports about Harden on the podcast before. The The most dangerous thing you could have is a semi-committed James Harden. If he's all in, you know, whatever his flaws are, 
whatever his historical faults have been in big games, I can at least say, look, that guy is capable of big performances and big moments. And he's also a day-to-day giant net positive for your team. Will that be the case in the most important games this season? Probably not. If his track record says anything about the future, but as long as you have his commitment, I'm okay going to war with that guy where I wouldn't be okay. Is if this is just a, yeah, I'll do it. And it's, it's an okay option for me right now, but he wakes up in January right before the trade deadline. And it's like, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me to you. I can't say Phoenix because there's not even enough room. I was gonna say, there's no way to make that happen unless you trade. You want to trade him for like Kevin Durant or something, but let's just say he wakes up one day and does that. That's what I would want to avoid if I'm the Sixers. And that's what they need to have the strongest sense of heading into free agency is how much of it is James wanting to be here and how much of it is he feels he has to be here for whatever reason. Yeah. And look, the good news is for as much as a lot of the rumors on this have been somewhat repetitive, we're going to get an answer soon. So free agency starts Friday. I believe the opt out or opt in date from whatever is Thursday. So we're less than 48 hours from getting an official answer on that. You would think there's a shot. Maybe they agree to something, you know, right around that time as well. So hard an answer might be coming soon. The other thing that's been a big deal since we last talked and really kind of picked up steam around the draft, there was a lot of different reporting on, on it is Tobias Harris. Um, you know, we viewed the draft, uh, I did at least, as a, a good chance he would be traded that night. Maury has been, you wrote this, his most active on these key days, whether it's the first day of free agency, the deadline, draft night. Tobias was not traded. Um, I texted you. I think it's probably okay to say this. I texted you early in the day, you and producer James, like, all right, what's our prediction? And you put, like, boring. And you you nailed that from that <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, I was on vacation, I was following it and I almost tweeted like this is making the NBA finals look exciting. Like that's, there was nothing, nothing this happened. It was just literally just all picks. You and that finals, man, you're going to, you're not going to be able to go to Denver ever again. Oh, trust me. I I will not be welcome in Denver anytime soon, but um, boring draft from that regard. We'll get into the guys they signed in a minute, but Tobias Harris, like I'm, I think I'm at a different place than a lot of people seem to be with this. I think the Sixers are seem to be playing this correctly from what I've read of the reporting and, you know, reading you on Philly voice, it does seem like they are putting the stance out there of, yeah, we're not just going to trade this guy. Like we're not giving him away. We don't view it the same way the fans do where he has to be off the roster. You can't bring him back. This is, I think they realize there's value in trading him. He's on an expiring contract. His value will never be higher. We talked about how, before this new CBA kicks in, his value might never be higher than it is right now in terms of the money and the advantages. But also to to flip that, I think the Sixers are correct that he holds value for them too. Like the Ben Simmons situation that they went through could be an insight as to how Maury will play this. Maury very much held on to Ben until he got what he wanted. There was a lot of pressure to trade him right away. There was a lot of pressure to trade him during training camp. There was a lot of pressure to trade him when he got kicked out of practice, like all of those things. And Maury end up getting probably what we could, you know, we could debate Halliburton, but ultimately he got a great return for Ben Simmons. I think with Toby, he's playing it even more with his, you know, digging his feet in the sand and rightfully so it's okay. If they bring back Tobias Harris, it, they like he has value to them too. He'll have value at the trade deadline. He'll have value as an expiring contract and he is valuable still somewhat on the court. So this idea that they're like unwilling to trade Toby or they're asking for high, high return, 
I believe it. And I also think it's probably the right way to play it. Yeah, look, I, I think the important thing to distinguish here is that some of the things that have been reported about what they're asking for, for Tobias have been, I won't say fabricated, but certainly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. I think there's, here's what we're dealing with here. Tobias's dad, who's also his agent, wants to get Tobias an extension. And that is completely reasonable. That's his job as his agent to try to get his, not just his son, but his client another deal and to get paid moving forward to put him in a a situation where he's going to max out his earnings, mm-hmm. have the role that he wants and so on and so forth. So I don't take any issue with Terrell Harris trying to line things up for his son and trying to grease the wheels a little bit. Like there's pressure being put on the organization to some extent to whether it's to just give him that extension and solve it that way, just pay him and the problem the problem, quote unquote, goes away <laughs> or to try to send him to a team or get him to a team that is either more likely to extend him right now or more likely to extend him in the future. I, I 100% where he increases his value. Yeah, I 100% understand all that. That's his job. That's what he should do. But it's that pressure has created this scenario where some of these rumors are just very obviously either exaggerated or close to made up. So for example, the DeAndre Ayton thing, where the the report from the Inquirer was essentially, oh, well, the Suns really wanted Tobias Harris. But then the second part of the report is, but they told the Sixers to figure out the third team part of it. It's like they wanted him that badly, but they're not willing to actually be a participant and trying to Mm -hmm. find the deal. You come to find out, it's reported two days later, that the Suns had actual advanced discussions with other teams, the Dallas Mavericks most prominently regarding DeAndre Ayton. Like that was a real thing that almost came close to being sealed. They were going to trade DeAndre Ayton for multiple role players. So that's one. There are other trade rumors where it's like, yeah, they asked for Evan Mobley and Jared Allen from the Cavs, which that's an illegal trade. First of all, it's illegal under the current CBA. It's illegal under the next CBA. Very obviously not a real thing that happened that well, I don't know why that would be reported that way, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Their stance, broadly speaking, to your point, is the right one. They're saying to teams, we're not just going to give Tobias Harris away. And that's the right thing to do. Tobias Harris on a giant expiring contract might not have, he's not going to, certainly doesn't have star player type value. But he has value. He's a productive player. And on top of that, even if you just say, well, he's not a he's not that good. He's not worth his contract, which I think all of us would mostly agree on as long as you're not Tobias or his dad, who's also his agent, that he's not worth thirty nine million dollars of salary cap space. What we can say is that that number coming off of the books is super valuable to whether it's the Sixers next season or a lot of these teams that have bad money contracts that might want to say, hey, we don't want to pay this role player $20 million for the next three years and this role player $15 million for the next two years, whatever it is. You can get rid of those long-term deals and Tobias just clears $39 million yeah. off of your books next season. You can duck the aprons. 
You can use that cap space if you're a cap space team, potentially. There are a whole lot of things that can happen by just having that contract. Like I hate talking about a person like they're just a contract, but that's the reality of this upcoming CBA. Those That's an even bigger factor than it would be usually. So I think he does have value, whether it's now, at the deadline, whenever it is. It's just a matter of what type of team does he have value for? What type of return are you getting if you're the Sixers? And their calculation so far has been, look, we don't love the offers that we're getting. We don't necessarily want to take on bad money to get rid of him. And we might just say, we'll look at what Tobias looks like under Nick Nurse, under a new coach, with another year under his belt. I think that's a reasonable bet to make right now. And the other important thing, I know you name dropped Damian Lillard early in the podcast. I think it's very unlikely that they're going to trade for him for several reasons. But if you're waiting to see what happens there, you can't trade Tobias because his contract is basically the only way or one of the only ways you can get to his salary number and potentially make a Dame trade work. Or let's say Dame gets traded and then that creates a, a domino effect of other guys you might be able to trade for. And there's a, an arms race to a certain extent. That requires Tobias's contract to be flipped somewhere for someone or multiple someones. And so if you take yourself out of the running for these big time moves that could happen at some point this summer, just because you feel like you have to change something, you have to get rid of his contract. That's bad process. Yep. It's, it's begging for a, a bad result. And ultimately, people will probably be more mad that they made a trade just to make one than if they just stand pat and say, hey, look, this is our team. Well, and the other part of that to, to piggyback is this is kind of their most valuable trade asset. If we're assuming Maxi, which is a different tier of trade of who you're, you know, that's more of the Lillard conversation. But to your point, like when they had Ben, let's say they the minute Ben asks traded uh, asked to be traded, they just trade him there and they do it for John Collins or they do it for, you know, some of those names that were being rumored at the time. Then when Harden asks out, they can't get Harden. And now some fans would go, well, thank God, but that that's foolish. Like he ended up really making them a better team, even though they didn't advance further in the playoffs. He made them a way better team. So even if it's not, to your point, about holding on for Lillard, there could be a month from now or the first month into the season, another name we're not even thinking of that becomes available and then they've lost their main piece. But the other part of this, and really this is where I'm most rooted and I'm okay holding on to Tobias, he just doesn't seem like he's going to cause a problem. Maybe his, you know, his dad slash agent will leak things. And that was one of my main takeaways from the reporting on both sides of this is, while you're right, the intricacies of the deals of like, this couldn't happen. And like, I think the main takeaway from the report was Toby's dad slash agent feels the Sixers are, are being difficult in getting Toby traded, whether they're asking for too much or their negotiations with teams, like all those things. That was the main point of that is to say, hey, like the Sixers are being difficult about my client being traded. And I think the Sixers are correct to then put out basically like, hey, we're going to hold on to him because we think he's valuable. But when Ben was here, it was a distraction to a certain extent. I don't think Toby will be a distraction. But I also think- the same things were said about Ben. It was, oh, yeah. they're asking prices right. insane. They're, I can't, this is outrageous. They're not even trying to really trade him. And it's like, no, man, they think that they can get good value for him. They turned out to be correct. And that doesn't yeah. mean, by the way, just because they held out for value on Ben and got it. Now, again, they sacrificed multiple first round picks. So we can debate 
True. Whether they, but all I'm saying is it, it doesn't mean that they're going to get max value for Tobias later. We could end up looking back in February. Tobias is still here. They go past the deadline and everyone sits here and it's like, well, they're not going to win the title. They're the same team as last year. And we can have that discussion when it happens. All, all I would say is that you have to let it play out. We can't say because they didn't make a trade on draft night. Some of the trades, it didn't really appear to, to actually be there the way people thought it was based on other reporting. It, it's just not smart to throw the team out and say, oh, the offseason's ruined or they're doing the wrong thing because they didn't trade him for 10 cents on the dollar. I just I think there's this section of the fan base. And again, I love rumors. I love trades. So I completely understand the desire to have something. But they're like frothing at the mouth to get rid of Tobias. And I just don't get the sense from the team that that's where the team is at. And I think that's that's the correct way to go about it. And this is probably also rooted in that I think the team is better than most. Like, I think if they bring back the exact same roster, you know, obviously the bench will differ in certain ways, but the, the core, like Embiid, Harden, Maxi, Tobias, PJ, uh, you know, Nurse is the head coach now, obviously. Like, I think they could win the title next year. I think they're certainly in that conversation of teams that could do it. Whereas I think with Ben, when Ben wasn't playing, we knew that team wasn't good enough without Ben to win the title. So there was more of an urgency to go change the roster and make something happen. There's a pushback to running it back. I don't think running it back would be a massive mistake or a wasted season. I wouldn't say it's a wasted season, but I will understand the animosity they get from the fan base for doing so. So that's, that's the part I understand. I'm not sitting here casting judgment on the fan base for wanting something to change. I a hundred percent understand especially in Tobias's case specifically, he's been here through so much of this stuff and it seems to end the same way every year. And he's a nice player, but not worth the, like there's a lot of factors there that I get why people want to move on from him. It's just a matter of you have to do it when it actually makes sense and not just because a a trade is available. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that mindset. And it seems like, that's what it is. You know, you mentioned something interesting and it was it was about the contract extension with Tobias. Like, do you think there's a world where the Sixers extend Tobias? I would assume not, but I mean, if it was cheap, I think. I, I look, I think Tobias Harris is looked at a lot differently if he's making fifteen million dollars a year. I think at fifteen, you're jumping for joy at what he's offering you. Now, what fifteen looks like in the new CBA, maybe that's twenty or low twenties, right. whatever it is. I, it doesn't seem to me that right now he's jumping for joy at $20 million a year, but I think that's a, a fair value for somebody like him if they were able to eventually get him on that kind of number. I'm trying to imagine the reaction in the podcast to the, you know, breaking news. Sixers have signed Tobias to a three-year, <laughs> you know, $50 million extension. Like, I think they could sign him to a three-year, $3 million extension and people would still be upset. Like, I think to your point, like while I said the frothing at the mouth thing, I get it. Like, I get why they want him gone emotionally. At this point in extension, I mean, it would just be absurd if, if that were to happen. So we've touched on it, obviously, throughout it. But I'm curious, outside of what you think, like, is he going to be here in training camp? Like, from what you're hearing, I guess, maybe a better way to phrase that. There seems to be more and more of that. Like, what what's your kind of prediction right now? as to how this plays out? I would say I would lean toward him being moved before the season, but I, 
there's no, I, my prediction for the draft prior to having some phone calls last week was that he's getting traded on draft night. So right. <laughs> it, right, it's no. hard to know. Like there's certainly, I'll say this, there's definitely interest in him, right? That's mm-hmm. the part of this that I think is true from all the reporting that teams have inquired and have been on the phone with them and have said, Hey, we're willing to give you this, 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 the offers just haven't matched what they want. And I think once the dust settles on free agency, that's when it starts to get interesting because teams look around and some teams will accomplish what they want to get done in the off season and in free agency. They'll say, Hey, we added this guy. We added a guard. We added a wing. We added a big, whatever it is. There are other teams that are going to strike out or don't have many options available to them. And they're going to be sitting there in late July looking at their shitty summer league team with their young guys who aren't going to help and saying to themselves, man, we really could use some extra help right away to try to make a push. And that's when, as the Sixers, you sit there and say, we have Tobias Harris. You have some stuff that we might want, or you might have stuff that another team wants that you can reroute some things to us that way. And there are going to be opportunities. Or we could end up in, let's say it's December. And a team that thought they had a big offseason that was excited about the year is much worse than they thought. This happens every year. There's always a team that thinks they're going to push chips in and be better than they actually are pretty early. And a lot of times they make panic moves when they don't aren't good enough right away. Mm-hmm. And Tobias, whatever you want to say about him, is ready-made production. He might not be offering you a gigantic ceiling, but he'll be on an expiring contract. He's going to give you his 14, 15 points a game. He'll get to his spots. He'll be a good locker room, clubhouse type guy. He's a known quantity, and that has value to a bunch of different types of teams. And he's an assassin as a scorer. So, you know, who doesn't want to who doesn't want to trade for that? So, um, all right. The Tobias thing, I can't I think is a natural segue into some of the bigger names that have been rumored to be either be available. Obviously, the big thing right now is Dame Lillard. Is he going to ask out if he does? Where does he want to go? You mentioned earlier you don't think they're going to trade for Dame for a number of reasons. Um, I guess let's start with that. Like, what's your view on the Dame thing? Do you think he asks out? And what do you think the Sixers either level of interest would be or a potential of actually acquiring him? You want my really hot take? I'm sick and fucking tired of hearing about <laughs> Damian Lillard, man. It's like every every other day. Yeah, It's like the most nothing report is like, Dame Lillard is – thinking about this or they haven't talked or they had a meeting and we're going to try. Like that was the thing yesterday. Chris Haynes reports that he's having a meeting with Joe Cronin in the front office. And then a statement comes after this meeting where it's like, we are committed to trying to build around Dame Lillard. And it's like, all right, man, but are you? Because the whole thing was you drafted Scoot, another small guard at number three. And if you don't move him, you're going to have, Three small guards is basically your core of guys. Simons, Lillard, Scoot. And I, it's just not a tenable situation to me. And I don't think Dame is wired this way. It just seems like shoot or get off the pot, man. Like yep. ask for a trade or don't. But all this waffling. like, And then Chris Haynes comes out on a podcast yesterday and he's like, well, Dame doesn't want to go to like a super team I, type yeah, thing and yeah. play with three stars. It's like. Bro, either you want to win in Portland and you're committed there or you're going to get traded and the team who's going to try to trade for you wants to have as much talent as possible. It's the whole point of trading for you is to try to 
put the best possible team on the floor. So en- enough. Either you want to well, move or you don't. My advice to Dame, if I was his close personal friend, would be, bro, stop worrying so much about how people will perceive your winning. Like this idea, like from the Chris Haynes things, which, well, Dame wants to go to a team, but he doesn't want to go to, you know, a ready-made team. Like, what are you going to get up there at the press conference and be like, just to be clear, everyone, even though I'm here, we all agree this team wouldn't win without me, right? Like he's so obsessed with this idea of his title not being looked like he chased it. Like go chase a ring, man. Like it's okay to chase things that you want. It's okay to go to situations. You have tried in Portland. You gave it your all. Like nobody is going to say that you're not loyal or you gave up. So yes, I agree. And like, posting the thing on Instagram where he's posting welcome to Miami. And then Jimmy Butler posts something where he tags Damian Lillard as a Blazers fan. I would be at the point of like, just trade the guy like great franchise. And there player. are, there are definitely people in Portland who feel that way. I think. Yeah. At this point. And rightfully so. So the Dame stuff aside, cause I agree it's getting annoying. Like it's Brett Farvish, like, bro, just do what you want to do or just commit and stop playing into it. That aside, what do you think of the Sixers' angle of this? Um, like, what do you think is their possibility? What do you think their level of interest would be? That nah, I mean, look, I think if you were to compare the offer they could make to, say, Miami, I think they can make a better offer than Miami because Maxi is better or is a guy I'd want to have on my team more than Tyler Hero moving forward. Mm-hmm. But also, Maxi presents the same problems as... Uh, and like as a worse player as Dame with Scoot and Anthony Simons, like acquiring Maxi doesn't actually really do anything for them. And he's the big chip for Portland. If they're, if they complete a trade with the Sixers, I think it looks more and more if he gets moved that he could go to Brooklyn because they just have all these picks they're sitting on. They have some interesting role players. You can Portland can split the difference where, they keep Simons and they keep Scoot, but they might bring in some like defensive-minded wings. They can still be competitive while having these assets long-term. But that's probably where I would see it going if they make a trade. I I don't know. I just don't – here's the other thing. If James Harden comes back, I don't really see a world where you can get max value out of Lillard and Harden at the same time. Mm-hmm. They're just not – I'm not that worried about the Dame side of it. I do think his off-ball utility and comfort is just better than Harden's is. But then you put Harden in this spot where there are just stretches of the game where he's just kind of standing around doing nothing. And look, that's that's a negative and with respect to Harden and how he approaches the game when the ball's not in his hands. It's one of the big limitations he has as a star player. It's why I think to some degree, and Doc Rivers touched on this, it's why he hasn't won in the playoffs. If you defend him a certain way, it's just easy to get him out of what he likes to do and what he's good at. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, maybe you could make the argument if Harden doesn't come back, that that's when you say, well, if we want to compete with Joel, we got to kind of go for it. And we just unload the best of what we have left for Dame. But then you're in a spot where it's Joel and Dame and who else? Like what, how are you winning that group? So I don't think they're well set up for a trade, whether it's the assets they have to offer, the team they would have after Dame comes here. I think it's a fun mental exercise, and it would have been great if Dame had asked out when Ben Simmons was in the middle of his whole saga. That would have been better timing for Philadelphia, but that's not the world we live in, and so I don't think it's uh, one that they'll have to track that hard. 
So tell me if you think my read on this is incorrect. Um, I just get this sense that the Sixers are hesitant to make a major trade for a big time contract or to really trade Maxi. Like if the if let's say the Blazers said to the Sixers and Dame wants to come here, all right, like give us Maxi, whatever, we'll make it work. I think they would probably do it. But just from listening to whenever Daryl Morey talks about Maxi, and I know at a press conference it's not always the ultimate truth, but listening to the way they that he talks about him, listening to the way Nurse talks about him, I just don't get this sense that they would be as all in on trading Maxi. For for Dame, for example, we talked about it with Beal, we've talked about it with Zach Levine. It just really feels like they are very much okay with feeling they can win with this same team and with and with bringing Maxi back. Like, do you think there is a real willingness to trade Maxi, or is it really going to take someone like a Dame? And even then, maybe they wouldn't be as into it. Well, so I do think Dame is on a different level than the Beals and Levines of the world, where if Dame straight up said, I want to come to Philadelphia, trade for me, if that was the world we were operating in, then yeah, I think that there would be a serious discussion about trading Maxi to make that happen. To your point, though, I do think they view him as a real long-term piece, future all-star, that type of player. Mm-hmm. Some of it's posturing because they know that guy's your most valuable trade yeah. ship that you have. And so they're not going to come out and say, well, you know, we're, we consider all options and they're on the table when they're asked about Maxi. They're going to constantly reinforce, yes, we believe in this kid. Yes, he's a core guy. Yes, we think he can be X, Y, Z, score 25 points a game cure cancer or walk on water or whatever it is. They're going to say what they need to in public. But I do think if there's a real genuine top level star, and I think Dame, if he's not in that inner circle of players, he's very close to it. Yeah. Then I think they'll consider it. I, I think why Maxi has been viewed as not untouchable, but close to that so far is that there haven't really been guys that have been worth considering it for Bradley Beal's contract terrible and has not been all that good on the floor the last couple of years. Zach Levine, pretty good player, but you've seen what Chicago has been with him as one of the best and guys, right? So, well. Yeah. And a giant contract over the long term. So it's, you're asking yourself, is it worth giving up a guy who's still ascending for guys who are in their prime, but haven't proven they can really drive winning all that much while they're in their prime. So I think they've played it right so far they could end up holding on to him too long. They might give him a contract eventually that he becomes then slightly overrated or he's not offering the proper value. But as of right now, I think they're going to stand pat until or unless a real deal, genuine star or superstar becomes available. And I think it's interesting because there seems to be such a juxtaposition right now. And this, I guess, is not that uncommon, but where – what the team thinks and what the fans feel is required. This feels like such a major divide right now on the Sixers, at least what they're posturing publicly. And I think internally too, and what the fans demand. So we started the pod by saying this with the whiteboard, the whiteboard, if they had just won the title would be viewed as like a fun, wacky thing. And, you know, Oh, look at this team, but because they lost it's this team is, you know, this team isn't run well, they're sloppy. This is why you'll never win. I think that they're, the fans want to feel something is going to change, and it just doesn't feel the Sixers sense that same type of urgency. And I think they might view Nick Nurse as like a good enough addition where they feel that's the competitive, extra competitive advantage they need to win the title. So 
it'll be interesting to see how these next few days play out. I definitely think there's an expectation and a desire from the fans to see a major move. And I'm a little worried just for the fans sake that that is not, that's not coming. Well, we'll say this. If they get Harden to re-sign, the initial reaction to whatever the number ends up being will be fascinating because I don't know if there's, how low would it have to be for fans to be like, Oh yeah, they had to bring him back at that number. So I think the only positive reaction to Harden would be if he opted in. And so it's like, all right, it's one year, whatever. Or, and I don't think this is even a realistic possibility. He signed for two years, I don't know, 50 million, where you're getting the second year and it's at an incredibly low number. What floored me was I was listening to uh, a podcast. It was Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo, and they were like giving their predictions for contracts. And they had Harden with 150 million, both of them. Like both of them had over 150. Over what? Three years? Yeah, over three years. Yeah. And it just floored me because I feel like whenever we talk about it when, and whatever I think it's going to be, I don't even think the final deal will be in the hundreds. Like I think he's going to get a two year deal. I do not think there will be a third year. And it was just an interesting kind of maybe nationally how this is viewed as opposed to locally, maybe what the expectations have become. Because to circle back to your original question, I don't think there is a number, a realistic number will fan where fans will feel, okay, this was worth doing. I could see to that point. I think they're wrong for that for what it's worth. Well, I could see like two for two at 50 plus or two at 50 per like two for a hundred. Oh, no way. That, see, but that's what I'm talking about is like, that's the compromise. That's one of the compromise options, right? You only have them for two years. You're not committed to him long-term, but he gets the extra financial benefits in the short term. That could end up being where they go. Now, will they go that direction? I don't know. I can't say right now. I don't, I'm not inside James Harden's mind. So I don't know right. what exactly is top priority for him at this point. But I, I like, I wouldn't rule that out entirely. Is what I'm saying. I, I don't think if it goes three years, if it's two plus one, I don't think he's getting that type of money is what I would say. I think well, that's only if it's a shorter term balloon type deal. I've been very clear. I would bring back James. I even said, if you had to do it like Max, I'm like, I think they need James Harden back. If they give him two years at 50 million plus per year, that would be even hard for me to like swallow. Like I would do it and I would be happy he's back, but it would be like, man, like that's a pretty significant raise. He did have a really good year, but I think to your original question about publicly, if he gets two years, 50 million plus, I think fans are going to be absolutely livid. People are going to be saying he earned a raise. Like I don't even know if he can get more than 50. I've, I have to double check on what his actual. If it's a two and then a one, like with a two two years and then 100 plus million, I think people are, are going to be really, really upset. Now, what is interesting, this morning I was on with Jody Cameron. He said, you know, he would rather have him on a one-year deal than a two-year deal. There is some advantages to the two-year just because you own his rights for the following year. And we've spent a large portion of this pod talking about Tobias, like he would be a large expiring contract, Harden would. So if you're the Sixers, I think we could argue like maybe opting in for one year is better, but two years also definitely has its advantages. Yeah, we're going to see. It'll, it'll, it'll happen soon enough. <laughs> I know. It always comes back to Harden. We started with Harden. We ended with Harden. Um, any thoughts on the draft? We were unable to do it because hands up, I was on vacation, was able to make it happen. Um, the guys they signed, Ricky Council seems like a steal. Uh, they got like to in my opinion, the next Bones Highland uh with with Smith. I'm really, really in on these two. 
a lot of draft boards seemed like they had them potential options at, you know, the second round, if not the high second round. Bricky Council seems like a player that they need on the roster just in terms of a pure athlete. Smith feels like if I create a player in NBA 2K, that is what he is coming out as, like shooter, like all those things. What are your thoughts on uh, on the draft on a big picture? So I just really quick. Okay. Did you see the backstory behind Ricky Council's family? I did. I saw, I, I saw you tweeted it. The The amount of Rickies in his family is uh, – is telling. So for anyone who has not seen this yet, Ricky Council is Ricky Council the fourth. Yes. His father is the original Ricky Council, and he has three different sons also named Ricky Council. Ricky Council the second, Ricky Council the third, and Ricky Council the fourth, who is now on the Sixers. Uh, I also learned in the process of researching that he used to go by four or fourth like at that. home. I like and that. at Arkansas during his final year in college, he went by C four. So that's right. because he would he would detonate on people at the rim with his dunks, which that's a nice thematic nickname. I think it's so. There are two interesting bets on kind of the opposite side of the guard spectrum, where Council is this just ball of clay that you can try to mold because he's an insane athlete. He's got all these great physical tools. I think the thing that I really like watching him, and I wrote about this the other day, he gets to the line and he finishes at the basket mm -hmm. consistently. And a lot of guys who have a questionable jumper, and that's the big thing with him is will he be able to shoot? They then struggle to get to the basket because it's just if teams can sag off of you, then they're able to wall you off. Like We've certainly seen that with people like Ben Simmons, Markel yeah. Fultz. Etc. in Philadelphia, this guy shot a free throw for, I believe it was like every two shot attempts, he had a free throw, wow. which that's an elite rate to be up there. It's only slightly behind where someone like Joel Embiid is at. And any guy who can produce value at the free throw line is always, that's a big plus for me in my book. And I think you can see, it's one thing to have athletic tools and be long and be fast and all that. He uses them well. And so I think you can already see the tools translating into basketball skill and basketball production. So that's really positive. We'll see if he can shoot. If he can shoot, I think he's going to have a long career. If he can't, then he's going to be limited in what he can yeah. do. Smith, the worry would be he's just not big enough. He's mm -hmm. super skinny. He's not that tall. And he's a combo guard that if you don't shoot the lights out, you're going to have problems staying on the floor. Now, here's the thing. He might shoot the lights out. He's got insane range. His handle's great. He's really fluid getting in and out of step backs. He's got a great crossover. He gets to his spots. He, he looks like the quintessential instant offense bench type guy that might be able to make a lot of money over his career just yeah. scoring a ton of points off the bench. And the good thing for the Sixers is that I think he's really comfortable as a catch-and-shoot guy. Like, if you just were to watch his tape and only watch the catch-and-shoot looks, that ball hits his hands, and it's out of there almost immediately. He's got quick mechanics. He's got clean mechanics. And that's a guy that you can stick on the floor and just say, we want you to shoot every time the ball touches your hands. We'll put you in the corner. We'll run you off screens. And they'll feel good about the results they're probably going to get from that. 
Now, he can't finish at the rim or hasn't finished at the rim. I want to say, I read this, it might have been Sam Vecini had this stat. I think he finished 33% from the rim in the half court as a freshman. Now, that was his first year. He improved this past season in his sophomore season. But that is a – that's – disastrous that's a Mm. disastrous number and i think that's one way that you see the lack of size the lack of bulk hurting him and it's going to hurt him on defense can't get through screens he gets killed when he's trying to get through pressure on defense like there are a lot of ways that his size are going to limit him upside is if you can put him on a, a protein shake program get him in the weight room and he bulks up a little bit and he gets stronger Maybe all these issues start disappearing and you start to get real value out of this guy. But I would say I'm a little more bullish on Ricky Council than I am on Smith. Yeah, I think what's exciting about both of them uh, is, you know, one thing Doc was criticized for, and rightfully so, is like didn't play young guys, or at least that was a perception. And he wasn't willing to try different lineups throughout the year. I do think with Nick Nurse, there is a a level of where you can believe in these guys a little bit more because, A, I think he'll be better at developing them. But also these guys might get a real chance. I know they're on two-way deals, but, you know, seeing if Ricky Council, I think I've read he's a great defender, seeing if he fits in certain lineups, you know, trying Smith off the bench. So that is another benefit of having a head coach for at least now that everyone believes in and think can develop guys is when you get these undrafted players. I mean, one way the Eagles have been successful is being great with undrafted guys. So it is a path to being successful, especially when you're paying so many players max deals. So, all right, I think we have hit on everything. We are officially ready for the beginning of free agency. Uh, Any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I will also say one last thing on the two-way guys is that it might just be necessary that teams have to give those guys more chances now because of this new CBA stuff, the more expensive your team gets, the more you're relying on yeah. minimum contract veterans and things like that. So these two-way contracts, and there are now three of them. You have three two-way contracts now instead of two under the new CBA. They're more important than they've been in the past, and they were already a pretty important tool for teams. So I'm excited to see if uh, if any of these guys end up panning out. I love the no, I have no final thoughts. But here's my final thought and give him one more. (laughs) Always good. So we will be back later in the week. Um, For those that are maybe off this week, WIP is down the shore tomorrow for the Jason Kelsey event. I'll be there all day. You can come talk to me about basketball or football, whatever you want. I'll explain to you why I think uh, they're going to win the title next year and why Embiid is still better than Jokic. So it'll be a fun day uh, down the shore. Um, We'll be back later when something happens. So uh, Kyle, talk to you next time. Talk to you guys soon.